All righty there. Welcome to Lavender Hill here on KZUM Lincoln, KZUM HD 89.3 on the FM or online at KZUM.org. Perhaps you're using one of your handy-dandy, smarter-than-a-calculator devices and listening to the show on your favorite mobile listening app, such as TuneIn or Next Radio. Or you could be listening up to two weeks after original broadcast date, thanks to the KZUM archives, which can be found online at kzum.org slash archives. And one other way you could be listening, if you're listening to just the talk portion of the show, you could be using our SoundCloud. You can find that through the KZUM website. Click on programming and go from there. You can find all of the talk shows put on pretty timely, uh, you know, put up there pretty timely after they originally air. All righty then. So that was Jen Ayers off of her. She said uh, that was something wrong with this picture. Uh, still hammering out the details as to when the interview is going to happen, but I do plan on having Jen on the show sometime in the very near future. All right, I got lots of artists lined up for you today. Uh, well, four more at least, but I've also got lots of news articles for you, and I'm going to be kind of going all over the place. Let's see if I've got them in something resembling an order here. Kind of, sort of, maybe. A uh, different Florida man, not the governor, but a uh, another politician from Florida uh, has been using a drag queen in one of his campaign ads and the drag queen in question has called him out and called him a bigot we're talking about marco rubio in one of his campaign ads an article over on the guardian of all places uh talks about how little miss hot mess has responded to the florida republican senator after he used footage of her reading to children this is an article from Friday, the 7th of October, 2022. Coral Murphy Marcos writing uh, for The Guardian. A drag queen called the Florida Senator Marco Rubio, Rubio a bigot after the Republican included her in a campaign ad in which he attacked the radical left, quote unquote. Little Miss Hot Mess. Uh, who performs in Los Angeles, uh, responded to Rubio in a video after he used footage of her reading to children during Drag Queen Story Hour, which is a children's program that started seven years ago in 2015. To quote uh, Little Miss, uh, I have one question for Marco Rubio. Why are you ob so obsessed with me and Drag Story Hour? Because this is not the first time that he's been focused on her, and she's not even in the same state. Anywho, uh, going on to ask, we're, or going on to say, we're simply out here reading books to children, encouraging them to use their imagination to envision a more just and fabulous world. You, on the other hand, this is Little Miss talking to Marco Rubio here. You, on the other hand, are out here during a hurricane, that is pummeling your state, spreading hateful, homophobic, and transphobic bigotry. We could be addressing the devastating impacts of climate change, the devastating epidemic of gun violence in our schools, the devastating economy that isn't working for working people. That's what she said to him. Mark Rubio's ad is part of his campaign against his challenger in next month's midterm elections, the current congresswoman, Val Demings. Uh, in polling, Rubio leads by more than 4.5 points, and of course there's always a margin for error there. Uh, Rubio has said in his ad, the radical left will destroy America if we don't stop them. 
they indoctrinate children and try to turn boys into girls. And that's when he refers and has popped into his campaign ad there, Little Miss Hot Mess. Uh, Rubio has targeted drag performers before, uh, as recently as uh, in June, in a letter that he sent to the Secretary of the Air Force, Frank Kendall, urging him to cancel a drag queen storytime event for children of service members at the Rammstein Air Force Base in Germany. Uh, the event, unfortunately, was canceled uh, in the backlash uh, that, you know, I think had very little to do actually with Drag Queen Story Hour and more to do with the kerfuffle caused by Mr. Rubio. But, uh, yeah, if you want to show some support, if you do, for the Drag Queen Story Hour, there's many ways to do that. Those of you local to Lincoln know how to do it for Lincoln. Um, Our good friend, Mrs. Ukulele, who uh, relocated back to Chicago last fall, uh, was instrumental in getting Drag Queen Story Hour part of the Lincoln community, and it continues to this day. Uh, So you can, you know, help out there. Or if you want to show some support directly to Little Miss Hot Mess, uh, you can look for her uh, children's book, The Hips on the Drag Queen Go Swish, Swish, Swish. All righty, I'll have a link to that full article over on the Lavender Hill Facebook page for you to peruse sometime after the show. And we're going to go from Florida to Iowa. Uh, And over on uh, intomore.com, Living Your Truth segment, a a local Iowan news reporter comes out as trans in a touching interview. And this uh, article, which is basically the interview itself, was put up by Joshua S. Mackey on Thursday, the 6th of October, 2022. Uh, WOI Local 5 News Reporter, and this is for Iowa people, they may be familiar with her, uh, Nora J.S. Reichardt, uh, has been coming into her own as a transgender woman since September 2021. Now she's ready to share her truth with the world and did so in an interview with a former local news reporter. Reichardt reintroduced herself to her community and shared her transition experience as a reporter on the day she filed for her name change with the Iowa courts. Very touching interview and one that you may want to check out uh, just to, you know, this is a person who is a face for the community in more ways than one. She is, you know, somebody who is seen on local TV. So she definitely is a face of her local community. Um, so I think it's a worthwhile interview to read, and I'll be sharing that link as well with you over on our Lavender Hill page on Facebook. Not going to go into all the details right now because I want you to read it. And I do know not everybody has Internet access or uses Facebook. So there are other ways to find out what's going on in the community. And I will be reading through almost the entirety of at least one article during today's program so that you can get the full brunt of the information. But I just thought I would share this with you because, well, it's a good story. All righty. And we're going to go ahead and play our next song before I get into any more news. I got lots of articles, but I want to try to keep up with things here. And we're going to hear from my friend out in Colorado, Misty O'Dell, off of her Wild Horses. Excuse me. The Struggle. Wild Horses is one of the songs on there. The Struggle. Uh, We're going to hear Skin to Bone. 
Alrighty then, that was Misty O'Dell with Skin to Bone off of uh, her album there. I want to make sure I did actually tell you right, The Struggle. Uh, since I fumbled that one earlier, I wanted to make sure I was on the right page with that. Okay, so move that over there. There we go. Alrighty, as you know, I've been trying to get my news from more sources than the usual for this show and uh you know i got a news ticker on my work computer so it gives me some things that i share with myself when uh they strike as important for sharing on this show and this is an article from religion news service yes you heard that right uh and it is uh Oh, let's see here. Do I have a date for this? Yes, I do. It is from the 5th of October, 2022. So that would be from Wednesday. Uh, The headline reads, uh, Catholic priest in Italy suspended for pro-LGBTQ stance. Uh, Claire uh, Gengravi writing. uh, And of course, uh, the byline is from Vatican City. An Italian priest well-known in the country for his support toward LGBTQ couples, abortion, and euthanasia was suspended by the Catholic Church on Monday, October 3rd for, quote, holding positions that are not aligned with church teaching. The Reverend Giulio Mignani, a 52-year-old parish priest in a small southern Italian town, has been barred by his bishop from celebrating Mass in the sacraments after vocally advocating for the welcoming of LGBTQ individuals in the church. Mignani is quoted as saying in an interview with Vanity Fair... uh, that appeared on Wednesday, the church doesn't condemn homosexuality, but homosexual relations, which is like saying that it's okay to be hungry, but you can't eat. I mean, it's a paradigm that must be changed, he continued. Homosexual love is still considered a sin, a mistake, when it's a fundamental aspect in the life of these people. That's from his uh, interview with Vanity Fair. Bishop uh, Luigi Ernesto Paletti uh, first reprimanded the priest back in 2021, and I believe I covered this briefly, uh, when Mignani uh, refused to bless the palms on Palm Sunday after an, an, an announcement by the Vatican Doctrinal Department banning the blessing of LGBTQ couples. Some priests in Germany being, uh, excuse me, some priests in Germany began blessing LGBTQ couples in 2021 as the Catholic community in the country underwent the synodal path, a consultation of clergy and faithful on important topics. The Vatican's Department for the Doctrine of the Faith answered by stating that the church cannot bless sin. And Mignani is quoted as saying, I said to myself, we have blessed anything, including weapons and wars in the past, and we don't want to bless real love. The priest also appeared in local newspapers and media channels in support of an anti-LGBTQ discrimination ban named after its proponent, the left-wing politician Alessandro Zan. The Italian bishops' conference opposed the bill, which was never approved by the Senate, unfortunately. Uh, Magnani has also spoken in favor of abortion and euthanasia, both condemned by the church and claimed Catholic doctrine is dated and out of touch with society. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, quote, to quote a parable of Jesus, today we don't have one lost sheep and the other 99 in the pen, but the opposite, he said in the interview with Vanity Fair. Magnani said he doubts he will change his views after the period of reflection mandated by his bishop. He said he would like to continue being a priest and that he draws hope from the show of support he has received from faithful and clergy members. Uh, And the uh, conclusion to the article is a quote from him, but most people don't say it because if they spoke up, they would be suspended like me. But sometimes you have to take a stand in front of everyone to give a new direction. It's the entirety of that article. I'm going to share the link with you on our Lavender Hill page and do encourage you to seek out the interview that he did with Vanity Fair for more information on that. All righty, moving right along. Let's see what we've got next here. Uh, We are going to go to uh, UPI.com. They shared an article from Healthy uh, Day News on Wednesday the 5th, 2022. (coughs) Pardon me. Medical groups urge investigation of threats to providers of gender-affirming care. Uh, Three leading medical groups have asked the U.S. Department of Justice to investigate growing threats to doctors, hospitals, and families providing and seeking gender-affirming care. In a letter to U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland, the American Academy of Pediatrics, American Medical Association, and Children's Hospital Association called for swift action to investigate and prosecute all organizations and individuals involved. Uh, AAP President Dr. Moira Zalagny uh, is quoted as saying, whether it's newborns receiving intensive care, children getting cancer treatments, or families assessing compassionate, accessing compassionate care for their transgender adolescents, all patients seeking treatment deserve to get the care they need without fear for their personal safety. She went on to say, we cannot stand by as threats of violence against our members and their patients proliferate with little consequence. Uh, That was part of a joint association news release. We can, excuse me, we call on the Department of Justice to investigate these attacks and social media platforms to reduce the spread of the misinformation enabling them. The organizations noted in their letter that the AAP and the AMA collectively represent more than 270,000 doctors and medical students. CHA speaks for more than 220 U.S. children's hospitals. Threats have affected hospitals and healthcare providers all across the country, from Boston to Seattle. The letter noted uh, providers have needed extra security. Staff and families are experiencing elevated and justifiable fear. AMA President Dr. Jack Resnick Jr. is quoted as saying individuals in all workplaces have the right to a safe environment, out of harm's way, and free of intimidation or reprisal. You can read the entire article over on uh, upi.com or just wait for me to share the link for you on our Facebook page for Lavender Hill. Uh, There are embedded links within the article for more information, and I encourage you to check those out. As you know, I've been talking uh, here and there about how uh, conservatives of all flavors, really, uh, have been attacking transgender-affirming Healthcare and the 
misinformation that is being spread, especially when it comes to uh, gender affirming health care for the youth. Uh, I've been talking about that for weeks, for months, for years, really, here on Lavender Hill. And this is just one more example of what's been going on and how many medical professionals are attempting to address the issue. And I do hope that Merrick Garland and his office take a serious look at all of this. Um, and talking about some anti-LGBTQ stuff going on in the not-so-great state of Texas. I wish I could drop off that not-so. Uh, one of these days, maybe we'll be able to. Uh, this is an article from LGBTQNation.com. Daniel Villarreal writing on Tuesday, October 4th, 2022. An anti-LGBTQ judge in Texas rules that workplaces can have biased policies against trans employees. A conservative judge in Texas has issued a ruling against a federal guidance ensuring workplace non-discrimination protections for transgender, non-binary, and gender non-conforming employees. In an October 1 ruling, Matthew uh, Kaczmarek, a judge in the U.S. District Court for the Northern District of Texas, declared that in June 2021, the U.S. Equal Oppor Employment Opportunity Commission, the EEOC, that's almost easier to say, uh, issued guidance that incorrectly interpreted the June 2020 Supreme Court ruling of Bostock v. Clayton County. The 2020 Supreme Court decision found that discrimination against gay and transgender employees is a form of sex discrimination forbidden by Title VII of the 1964 Civil Rights Act. One year later, the EEOC issued a guidance stating that the ruling required workplaces with more than 15, one five, 15 employees to allow all transgender, non-binary, and gender non-conforming workers to use the pronouns, dress codes, facilities, and healthcare practices matching their gender identities. In response, the state of Texas sued the EEOC and Judge uh, Kismarek, uh, I'm a bohunk myself, and I don't know how to pronounce that. Uh, judge, uh, uh, he ruled in the state's favor. Uh, he ruled that although the 2020 Supreme Court decision declared that employers can't discriminate against workers for their sexuality or gender identity, it doesn't protect an employee's correlated conduct, quote-unquote. As such, Kazmarek uh, declared the EEOC's guidance unlawful and said that Texas doesn't have to follow it, However, the matter is far from resolved. That's because 20 Republican-led states have also sued the EEOC over the guidance, alleging that the federal agency violated the Administrative Procedure Act by not following the required process for making new rules and also the Constitution's Tenth Amendment by trampling on states' authority over privacy expectations in workplaces. Kaczmarek's ruling isn't entirely surprising, considering that he once served as the Deputy General Counsel for the First Liberty Institute, a legal organization that generally represents conservative Christians, attacks the separation of church and state, and opposes LGBTQ rights. You can read the entire article if you want to by going over to lgbtqnation.com or again, just wait for me to post that link later today on our Facebook page. It is time for us to take our bottom of the hour break. We'll follow that up with a little bit of music and we'll go from there. 
Alrighty there, little Bessie Smith with I Ain't Got Nobody. Just wanted to throw that in there because it's been a little while since I've played Miss Bessie. Alrighty, well, you are listening to Lavender Hill, and I've got some more news for us to cover here on the show. And we're going to visit with uh, Daniel Villarreal again over on LGBTQNation.com. This is an article from Thursday, October 6th, 2022. The headline reads, This free speech case could help the Supreme Court wreck LGBTQ rights for decades. The Supreme Court has agreed to hear 303 Creative LLC versus Ellenus, a case that could determine the future of LGBTQ rights nationwide. The case involves Lori Smith, a Christian woman in Colorado who makes wedding announcement websites. Smith wanted to post a message on her professional website stating that she wouldn't make websites for same-sex marriages because it would be against her faith. When she found out that such a notice would violate Colorado's anti-discrimination laws, she preemptively sued her state's government, saying that the laws violated her First Amendment right to free speech. Her lawsuit sought to block enforcement of the law. A district court ruled against Smith in 2019 saying that she lacked legal standing to oppose the law because the state hadn't actually investigated her, and so she hadn't been harmed by it. Factors usually required in order for a person to claim legal standing to oppose such a law. She appealed to the Tenth Circuit Court of Appeals, and it also ruled against her in a two-to-one ruling, stating that such laws are essential to maintaining democratic ideals. Smith's case sounds very similar to the 2018 Supreme Court case of Masterpiece Cake Shop v. Colorado Civil Rights Commission. We all remember the gay cakes, or the non-gay cakes as the case may be, which involved a cake shop owner who refused to make a cake for a same-sex marriage because it violated his rights to free speech and religious freedom. Both Smith and the cake shop owner sued over the same law, and both are legally represented by Alliance Defending Freedom, a Christian and anti-LGBTQ legal group, but Smith's case differs in two key ways. First, no no same-sex couples actually asked Smith to design their website, so the Supreme Court could agree with the district court's decision that she lacks legal standing to challenge the law. And second, the Supreme Court only agreed to hear Smith's free speech argument. That means the court's final ruling won't necessarily decide whether it's legal for people to discriminate against LGBTQ people on religious grounds. Rather, the central question in Smith's case, according to her supporters, is whether states can use public accommodation and non-discrimination laws to compel business owners to create speech that they personally disagree with, such as a website that promotes the same-sex marriage, when its creator would never promote such an event otherwise. And I'm almost all the way through this article, so I might as well finish up with, however, LGBTQ advocates say that the effects of this case will go far beyond free speech and could hollow out LGBTQ protections by essentially allowing any employer to deny service to LGBTQ people or those whose identities they disagree with. Some amicus briefs filed to the court said that its nine justices should decide whether the First Amendment applies to goods and services that are uniquely expressive forms of speech, like creative works. 
Uh, well, there is a little bit more, and I'm going to let you read that all for yourself if you so desire. But I am going to say this much while I'm waiting to uh, get more information as things progress with this. If you are a business owner and you don't want to provide a service to a particular group or class of persons, don't make it an official policy. Just say, I'm sorry, I don't think this would work out between us. That is how you can avoid these things. Now, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not giving legal advice. I'm giving business advice as a business owner. If you don't want to perform services for somebody, don't say you refuse to perform them because of who they are, what they are, or what they represent. Just say, I don't believe this would work out between us. Enough said. You don't have to make a big old you know, federal case about it, which is what Ms. Smith is doing here and what Masterpiece Cake Shop did. Now, that doesn't mean that it's not going to become a federal case. But it's all in how you choose to say things. We are a litigious society. It's just a fact of life anymore. So if you're in business of any kind, shape, or form, you have to very carefully pick and choose how you say things. All right, that being said, let's move on to something else here because I'm sure I'm going to get some uh, side eye or something like that from somebody over what I just said. Not the first time you've heard me say it won't be the last time you hear me say it. And it looks like we've got a whole bunch of politics and then entertainment lined up for you. So let's go ahead and start with some politics. Uh, and this is from the LGBTQ Nation Election 2022 coverage. Uh, this is Greg Owen writing for them on Thursday, October 6th. Uh, out Democrat Will Rollins is fighting to unseat a 15-term MAGA congressman with an anti-LGBTQ past. Uh, the race for Congress in a newly redrawn district in Southern California is a study in contrast. California 41, a three-headed monster about 100 miles wide, extends from the eastern edge of Orange County through Ruby Red Riverside and over the San Jacinto Mountains to Palm Springs, a sun-baked blue enclave in the Coachella Valley, at least according to this article. And the Democratic and Republican candidates running to represent the district couldn't be any more different either. The Democrat, Will Rollins, 38, is a graduate of Dartmouth College in Columbia Law, a former federal prosecutor who worked on January 6th insurrection cases, and a polymath on issues ranging from counterintelligence to the attention economy to the climate crisis. He's also refreshingly candid about his sexuality. He's gay and couldn't be any prouder. The Republican 69-year-old representative Ken Calvert is reminiscent of a, this is all opinion here, reminiscent of a caricature from a late 19th century Thomas Nast cartoon, perhaps straddling the Capitol and swatting away constituents with one hand while counting his cash with the other. According to Rollins, that's exactly what Calvert's been doing over a 30-year career in Congress. To quote Robbins, or excuse me, Rollins, he's corrupt. 
He's somebody who was ranked by a nonpartisan group for multiple consecutive years, one of the most corrupt members of Congress. His net worth has increased up to $20 million since he took office in 1992. One well-documented case revealed how Calvert bought land before earmarking the funds for a major highway interchange in the same area. That, of course, increased the real estate value for those empty plots before anybody else knew about it, and he made a half-million-dollar profit in a matter of months, Rollins says. Ah, so, yeah, this could be somewhat interesting over there in California, right? Okay, with a new set of demographics to contend with, California's 41 is about evenly split, Democrat and Republican. Whereas Calvert's old district was solidly GOP, the 15-term incumbent is playing to a different audience. The newly redrawn district explains a lot about the MAGA Republican's sudden conversion on same-sex marriage. After an unbroken record of anti-LGBTQ votes in Congress, Calvert voted this summer in favor of the Marriage Equality Act. Rollins is quoted as saying about that. He said that he's evolved, and I think that's the truth. Excuse me. And I think that the truth is the only thing that's evolved is his calculus for political survival. This is somebody who started his political career, career by outing a closeted opponent. In 94, after getting caught by police with a prostitute in his car, <laughs> Calvert was fighting for his political life. An ally outed his rival, Mark Tucano, as gay with the freshman congressman sent out mailers printed in hot pink and lavender asking, is he? or isn't he, and a congressman for Riverside or San Francisco. Calvert won the race by 17 points. So that gives you a little history on him. And since we're not in California, I'm not going to go into all the details here of this article, but I believe it may be one worth reading if you are following what's going on for the midterm elections. Because no matter who wins in which state, which district, it's going to have a deciding factor in how certain things progress in Congress when it comes to LGBTQ rights, women's rights, and equality nationwide. All righty, let's go ahead and take our last musical break. And when we come back, we'll cover a little bit more politics. And I've got some entertainment news for you as well. We're going to hear from Big Bad Gina with Canoe Built for Two. All righty there, Big Bad Gina, uh, Canoe Built for Two, that's off of their Lake of Dreams. A fun little song there for you. You know, got to have some fun after the politics. And I'm actually going to move away from politics because I've got some fun stuff that I want to try to address for you here. I want to go to entertainment news in the last uh, segment here of the show because there's a lot of things that have been going on entertainment-wise that may strike your fancy Maybe not. I don't know. If you're a fan of Clive Barker, an out and proud author in and of his own right, you're probably familiar with Hellraiser, one of the uh, most successful series of films that he ever helped put out. And there's been a remake of the original Hellraiser, and it stars trans actress Jamie Clayton. And an article by John Russell from Wednesday, October 5th, 2022, there's some critics that are saying some good and some bad 
Uh, so, you know, with spooky season well underway and networks and streaming platforms rolling out their horror-laden lineups of films and series, the AMC has their very gay new take on Interview with the Vampire, which I have not watched yet, sci-fi's second season of Chucky, I'm not a big fan of uh, the Chucky stuff. And FX's upcoming 11th season of American Horror Story, which I'm looking forward to. Hulu's remake of the classic 80s horror flick Hellraiser uh, came out this past Friday. The film is a new take on queer writer Clive Barker's novella The Hellbound Heart and stars trans actress Jamie Clayton as a new version of the iconic hell priest, a.k.a. Pinhead. But it's also apparently a significant departure from the 1987 film version, version which Barker himself directed. According to its official synopsis, Hellraiser depicts a young woman named Riley, played by Odessa Azian, who struggles with addiction and comes into possession of the puzzle box which summons Pinhead and the other demonic Cenobites. And we're not talking about those yummy things that you can get from the uh, the king. Uh, ahead of the film's debut, however, uh, critics are saying lots about Hellraiser. Some of it good, some of it bad. Most of it, I believe, is good. Uh, so if you are a fan of horror, you might want to check that out. I know I'm going to be. And I've heard some good things from many of my uh, horror aficionado friends out there. But I think it might be worth you checking out if you're wanting to have a good scare this Halloween season. All righty, and sticking with entertainment news, you've heard me talk a little bit about this in the past. With the Marvel Universe, uh, in the comic books, there is a new Spider-Man. And this particular one is a very obviously gay and flirty superhero. Um, Marvel's first gay Spider-Man arrives in issue number five of the comic book publisher's Edge of Spider-Verse miniseries. Ahead of the character's official debut, a preview of the issue hit the internet, revealing Webweaver, the uh, uh, Spider-Verse name there for Spider-Man, this particular version at least, flirting with a fellow superhero. The uh, single page from the series' uh, final issue shows the openly queer hero exchanging flirtatious banter with an alternate universe version of a vigilante hero known as Silk, who Webweaver describes as frustratingly hot. Eh? Is what it is, right? Uh, out comic writer and the co-creator of Webweaver, uh, Steve Fox, tweeted a couple panels from the same page earlier in the week, explaining that the version of Silk in Edge of Spider-Verse number 5 is not, in fact, a gender-flipped version of the character fans know from the main Marvel Comics universe, as some fans had apparently been speculating. Cooper Cohen, the winsome Webweaver, is a brand new character. His world is full of familiar faces, heroic, villainous, mutant, and more, in very different contexts, Fox tweeted. But no gender-flipped love interests here. Alrighty. Uh, you can check that out, of course, uh, over on LGBTQNation.com or any of your favorite web sites for the uh, Webweaver himself, uh, Spider-Man or the Marvel Universe. And the last thing that I want to share, and this is probably going to make at least one person out there giggle with joy, uh, over on Nerdist.com, yes, I, I tell you, I try to get my news from more than just the, uh, the queer news sources out there. Uh, in animation news, 
the Scooby-Doo icon Velma, uh, excuse me, Velma Dinkley is now canonically confirmed as queer. Um, so for over the past five decades, LGBTQ fans have speculated that Velma from the Scooby-Doo franchise was gay. Obviously, during the 70s and 80s, there was no way Hanna-Barbera was outing one of their main characters on a Saturday morning cartoon. But entering the modern era, many Scooby-Doo creators tried to bring Velma out of the closet, only to find themselves blocked in doing so. Well, according to the report from Variety, Velma is finally officially coming out as a lesbian. This happens in the new animated movie Trick or Treat Scooby-Doo. We can all say a collective happy jinkies. Now... You can watch the clip in question, and uh, there will be a link for that over on our uh, Facebook page. But the, uh, the, the link for that clip has gone viral, confirming at last what everyone knew since 1969. Velma gets love-struck upon seeing female costume designer Coco Diablo, which we must say is a fabulous name for a character, wouldn't you? Um, this is not the first time creators have tried to officially say Velma is a lesbian. James Gunn, who wrote the original Scooby-Doo live-action movies in the early 2000s, has publicly stated he wanted to make Velma a queer character, but the studio thwarted all attempts. Gunn said she was openly gay in his first script. Then they toned it down to ambiguously gay, and finally all references to her sexuality were dropped. But, yeah, it's a fun little article that you can read over there on Nerdist.com. There's lots of fun articles about Velma and her uh, newfound queerness, if you will, with the Scooby-Doo franchise. So, just a little bit of fun there to wrap things up. And we're going to keep things a little bit of fun here as I get ready to hand things over to Deb Anderson with the Women's Show. We're going to hear from an ally, Susan Werner, uh, with her tongue-in-cheek song, Herbicides. Uh, and uh, I hope you enjoy. Stick around for Deb on the Women's Show. She's got a great interview coming up, and she's going to be joined by Jack Rabbit Slim for the rest of the show after the interview.